Kiora, my name is Kitty Fitton and this is Ordinary Life on Carpadian Horror Fenner World Coast Access Radio 104.7 FM. And this week I'm going to be talking about Parkinson's again because, well, I know quite a lot about it having suffered with it for the last eight years. And I usually speak to people each week about different chronic illnesses or disabilities, but I thought perhaps this week we should have a little check back in because some of you might have looked on my blog and um, at kittyfitten.com and realised that I also write about living with Parkinson's. Um, And this week I wrote a post that seemed to provoke quite a lot of reaction. And it surprised me in some ways because it was something that I thought was really obvious but clearly wasn't to other people. And so this week I'm going to start by reading that and then I'm going to chat with the lovely Catherine Scullion. Hello. Did I, did I say that correctly? Scullion. You've Scullin. added an extra vowel, which I love. I feel like I've been given a gift. And uh, we're just going to have a quick chat about you know, what she thinks about the... Um, Words that I wrote. Is that all right with you, Catherine? Absolutely perfect. I love okay. it. So, so this is the post that caused a lot of consternation, and I found it, like I say, I found it quite surprising. But see what you think. It's titled, Parkinson's Causes Depression. I was at the hospital yesterday for a routine checkup. You know the kind of thing. It was one of my supposed six-monthly checks so naturally it had taken 11 months to happen. The doctor was very nice and asked me all the usual questions. I walked up and down the corridor, watched carefully by the doctor and the fourth-year medical student. I heard them discussing signs of bradykinesia, good overall gait, as they picked apart the signs I displayed of the disease that I carry. I'm, I'm kind of being a bit unfair, really. They need to do this in order to understand and help diagnose things that may help. Yet sometimes I wonder how much they really understand, really care, empathise, or are we just medical abnormalities that they must try to fix somehow? I was asked about my mood, and I laughed. But I was asked why I was laughing. I explained that I thought I might be mildly depressed. We talked about the issue that, surprise... Parkinson's causes depression, not only because it is not a great diagnosis to begin with, but also because the brain lacks not only dopamine, but also serotonin. You can Google serotonin and look it up, but it's basically the thing that makes you feel happy. Kind of. I immediately said, I don't want to take antidepressants. She leaned forward conspiratorially and asked, why? I replied that I understood that perhaps one day I may need to do that regardless of how I felt. But right now I think I can deal with it by increasing positive things like getting outside for a bike ride or similar each day, trying to go for a walk or exercise. I told them how stressful it had been waiting for my partner to have his heart ablation. It was much better now he had had the operation, but it still requires effort each day. 
She went on to ask why I felt it wouldn't be useful. I replied that indeed it probably would be helpful, but didn't she realise that I already took a ton of medication? I am a woman of science and I understand this is important and useful, but once I start taking them, when will I stop? The very real answer is potentially never. I'm already on medications for life. It will increase and increase. Perhaps one day it might not help as well as it does today. And let's not get started on side effects. I don't know what the pills cost, but I want to be offered discounts on exercise classes. I want to be encouraged to take long walks, possibly have counselling. I don't want to take more pills. Why? Because I know those pills are coming for me anyway. I don't want them to. But I also understand that along with the lack of the right kind of stuff that makes dopamine, I lack the right sort of stuff that creates other chemicals. I could go research and name them, but let's keep it simple. She acquiesced and agreed that my way may be better. For now at least. There it was again, the distant knolling of the bell of doom. Faint, but still there, echoing through my head. And so I left with more tablets. Let's see how they work out, as I too continue to work hard at attempting to push this thing back. I fear that one day I may lose the battle. But for now at least, I fight, push and kick it back. Until next time. And I think that perhaps people felt it was very depressing. But the scary thing about writing a blog is that I believe you have to be honest and truthful. And I feel the same way about this radio show. And then you realise that people you know read it sometimes. That's quite scary. And um, I don't know. I can understand why people would be... Not shocked, Shocked. but maybe surprised because you do come across as this person. Yes, I have this dreadful disease, (laughs) but let's go and make fun of it. Are you making fun of the disease just because – does that help you? And therefore has that masked it for other people to think you're coping with it just fine? What's the sadness all about? You're a comedian. (laughs) Um, I think – like most comedians are often – um, quite, you, know, you find out that they're, they're hiding things like they're actually quite sad or um, I mean I, I don't want to say that I am depressed because I don't believe I, I, I do have serious depression but I do think I've been floating around that border for a while and um, certainly being a mum and trying to hold down a job and do everything is very very difficult and then when you add on this you know condition this disease that you've got it it kind of tips you over the edge sometimes and I think um people are surprised because they go oh yeah she's like always smiling always positive but you kind of don't have any other choice you know because the alternative is so bleak you know (laughs) this is 
terrible, isn't it? But um, the alternative really is very, very horrible and very bleak. And when you sit and think about it, you you realise you don't want to know. That's how I deal with it anyway. I think that's pretty sensible. <laughs> I think that that is the better way. But also, if you really, taking aside all of the stress mm. in your world, you have more than what a lot of people do because your partner is also has their, issues. Own, have their own issues yeah. uh, health-wise. And the children, uh, you know, it's all a job. Yeah, Your truth illness. is stranger than fiction, isn't it? Yeah. You know, I, I find myself speaking to people sometimes and maybe I'll be at a party. I was at a wedding recently and I met a lovely woman and uh, we were like chatting and so it came out, I had Parkinson's and then it came out that this had happened and then it came out that my son had ASD and then it came out that... You know, and then you kind of go, oh, yeah, and, and my partner had a cardiac arrest and died for half an hour. And, and then you stand there and you think, if I was listening to myself, I would be like, man, she's full of rubbish. That can't possibly be true. It is true. And actually, that, that episode we have spoken, you have spoken about your partner's cardiac arrest. And yeah. it's a truly fascinating story. A, it explains the difference between heart attack and cardiac arrest. Yeah. I unfortunately know too well the difference because my father had a cardiac arrest mm. in hospital with a nurse holding his hand at the time, giving him a tablet, and he didn't make it. So to, the fact that your husband's still here That's terrible. is absolutely incredible. Mm. So that, that go back, listeners, and find that story and have a <laughs> listen to that one. But if you look at your own – I'm not talking about you. I'm talking to the mm. listeners now. Look at your own life, and we all have a tendency – to get a little bit sad and depressed about things that happen to us. But we often hide it from other people because we maybe know that we're going to feel a bit better in a few days because we've mm. talked it out. We don't want people to worry about us. And that people, sort of thing. You think it's an expression of being weak. There's a little bit of that. Well. There's a bit of that. So yeah. when you finally have said to people, hey, I'm a bit depressed because I have this debilitating disease and they're a bit surprised, I think we're conditioning <laughs> each other to hide our feelings away, and I don't know. I, I mean, don't think that's a very good thing. I mean, the, yeah, I mean, the other reason I did it, I remember as I wrote it, I sat back and looked at it, and I thought, oh, maybe it's a bit sad. And then I thought, ah, it's not that bad. And and Mike, my partner, actually said to me, I think it's a reflection upon how you see the world that you could not see that that was actually really, really depressing. Um but all you've done is told the truth. And that, yeah, and I felt it was really important because there are so many people out there with Parkinson's, young and old, who hide it. And I think they look at people like me and others like me and they go, oh, it's all right for you. You know, you're, you're laughing or you're a comedian or you look happy with your children and you're doing all this stuff and you look like you don't. As I have been accused of looking like I don't care about it or that it doesn't bother, you know, or it doesn't bother you. And I was like, of course it bothers me. I've got a disability. And at first it doesn't seem like a disability. It's like, well, you limp a bit. It's a bit annoying on a morning. And then it gets a bit worse and it gets a bit worse. And then eight years in, I realised that, hmm, Actually, I think I'm going to have to face up to the fact that actually, yeah, it is a disability. And if I didn't take my medication, sometimes now I cannot walk. And if you find that depressing, well, 
I'm sorry, that's my real life. <laughs> that is your real life, and that is the way, very healthy way, that you have chosen, because everything is, cho- is a choice. Mm. You have chosen to live your life that way, and you have chosen to enjoy what you can and make the most of each day. It doesn't yeah. mean that you're not a human being and can't reflect on it and go, oh, this is bollocks. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it's uh, – I think sometimes people almost kind of forget, you know, because they're, they're I'm that busy being mum or, you know, just getting on with everything. I help out on a variety of community things or I do stuff. And sometimes you'll read things and it'll be, uh, I don't know, so-and-so's had had this issue because they broke their leg. And and I, I feel awful because I think having this disease has given, made me a little bit uh, hesitant to say the word, but it's kind of cruel or unkind because people will say to me, oh, I've broken my leg or this has happened or I've hurt myself or I've had an operation. Uh, I remember a friend once said, I need to do physio for six months. And I was like, oh, that's awful. And then I went, will you get better hmm. after six months? And she's like, oh, yeah, yeah. And hopefully I might not have full movement, but it will be mostly back to where it was. And I was like, oh, that's great. And she kind of looked at me and I was like, oh, and I thought, damn she does not understand because mm. i'll be doing physio for the rest of my life yeah <laughs> oh i want to get a violin out now mm. i really understand that because yes it is awful if you've broken a leg you've broken something but if you are getting better at it it would be difficult to you kind of want to say well that's fine you'll get over it <laughs> yeah yeah i know that's probably what you want to say because you will get over it but that's not saying that you don't the feel society, some empathy yeah you have empathy for people and you feel sorry for them and you go oh that's really awful and they're going through this and this is really bad yeah but part of you wants to go ah but you're gonna be all right eh? so yeah. pff, shut yeah. up <laughs> and i know i know emma who came on a few weeks ago and spoke um she said to me once about people with covid I'm sorry, Emma. She said, um, all these people are complaining about losing their sense of smell with COVID. She says, and I want to go, huh, I haven't been able to do that for years. Welcome to my world. <laughs> yeah, and, and it's not that you don't care because you do. But um, you sometimes want to say to people, don't you realise that's how we live our lives every day, but we just have to get on with it. Because if we complain about it, well, you just never stop, really. Yeah. But also, you'd think that if if you had if I had broken my leg, I'm not going to maybe complain about it so much to someone in a wheelchair. Is it, <laughs> is it maybe is it maybe that you're not as obvious about it? Like they don't, maybe people don't understand what you in fact have to deal with on the daily. You mentioned before that you left the doctor's appointment with more drugs. Yeah, is that have you had more symptoms, or yeah. is this just trying other things? Oh, I, I had what they call a drop off. So the tablets last for about four and a half hours and then they kind of stop working. And there's a lot of people out there who'll be going, well, that's because you take too many tablets and your body is building up a resistance to them. And it, it isn't, you know, the, the, it, the fact is your body creates dopamine. There's lots of different types of dopamine. I'm not scientific enough to get into all that, but trust me. And 
what the tablets do, one of them helps the existing cells that are left keep working. Right. And the other one is a kind of artificial dopamine. But you can't just take dopamine. You've got this thing in your brain called the blood-brain barrier. Yep. And it won't let stuff pass it easily. So you have to kind of, I guess it's almost kind of trick it by yeah. going, here's some other stuff. And if it gets across, it can create dopamine. I've probably explained that really badly and there might be some scientific people out there shaking their heads and going, what on earth are you talking no, about? No, but... I'm pretty sure scientific people would go, you know what, I'm happy to come and have a chat about it. <laughs> so if you are one of those scientific people, by all means, come Please and be interviewed by us. Kitty. And they're normally not that judgmental. They understand that, <laughs> that it is a difficult thing to, to explain. So yeah. carry on. I think you're doing a great job. Because, <laughs> you know, that, that's a simple truth. So, yeah, I take two types of tablets at the moment. And then recently they said, well, if you're struggling on a morning, have a slow release tablet. It will slowly drop you know, elements of this into your bloodstream overnight. And then you wake up in the morning and you can actually move, which is great because I was getting up on a morning and feeling like a really elderly person. Not that I know what that feels like. But, you know, uh, I couldn't I couldn't lean over and pick things off the floor. or It was really, really slow. Is that because your muscles felt stiff? Yeah. Is that what it kind of feels like? Yes, it is. And when I first got Parkinson's, I didn't know what they meant. Sadly, now I do. You kind of go, oh, this is what they mean by... Because I had a slight tremor in my left hand and I, and I limped a bit. Yeah. But I didn't really have a lot of stiffness. But I did on a morning, starting, it was starting on a morning now, and I can feel it now, and I don't know if you've noticed or not, but got a little bit of dyskinesia now in my left arm, which is those involuntary movements. It's very minor. I feel it. I feel like I'm whipping my arms around, but people no. say they can't tell. No, can't tell. I um, have relations that have Parkinson's, and, mm. and I know people... I know how they try and hide it, and I'm not seeing that as obviously in, in you. Not right. that I'm looking, because I just see Kitty. I just see gorgeous Kitty. <gasps> oh, oh, Catherine, you're so lovely. But, uh, but this is new, is it? Uh, yeah, for me it's new. Yeah. And I suppose one reason why maybe I've been pushed over the edge is because you just kind of, you have to You, I read somewhere years ago on somebody else's blog. I'm really sorry, I can't credit you because I, I can't remember who you were. They said, when you have Parkinson's, they put you on some medication and then you're fine for a few years. And then something goes wrong and they give you another tablet and you go, woohoo, this works. And then you're fine for a few years and then it stops working. And they give you some more tablets and you go, woohoo, this works. And that's how it goes. So you have reflection, then you have, you know, you're sad, then you won't accept it. And you cope with it and you move on. And then you keep re repeating that every few years. Oh, that sounds really sad, doesn't it? But Well, it does sound like the grieving <laughs> process too. But bit. I think they're right because you sit there and you have, you have to accept, no matter how much you don't want to, that this thing has got worse. And that's very sobering. And you have to look at your life and you think, right, so can I still do this stuff? Can I still, I don't know, go go for a hike or go tramping? Can I still 
I don't know, sometimes I've struggled walking to the end of the street with my kids because they've given me more tablets. I can do that now. Yeah, hey, this is brilliant. This is great. I feel cured when they're working. Yeah. That's really weird. Mm. You feel like you could take on the world and then they stop working and <laughs> people have said to me, that proves it's mind over matter. And you think, how many people have you thumbed? <laughs> ah, it's all great comedy gold. Wow, right? this is gold. <laughs> but even I sometimes sit and I think, I know there is nothing wrong with my leg. Right. Or my arm. But there kind of is, but there mostly isn't. You know, I do lots of strength training and I do lots of stuff to try and keep myself strong. And yet my brain doesn't work properly. The brain is immensely powerful. Mm. And even though I know I should be able to do this stuff, it's just chemicals that I'm missing. You can't do them. It's really weird. Does that make sense? It does make sense. Do you mind explaining that a little bit more? The chemicals in your brain are not, what, not connecting properly or they're not, they don't have the right information to send to the muscles? Right, so it's... um. It's getting deeply into the science now, but essentially what it is, is the um, serotonin, dopamine, all that kind of stuff. There's a thing in the centre of your brain. It's called the substantia nigra. And that's the part of your brain that creates dopamine. Now, there's lots of different types of dopamine, as I've mentioned before. It's not all about feeling good and happy. Although that is part of it because your brain kind of goes, oh, I enjoyed that. That's good. I'll do that again because that made me feel happy. But there's other parts of dopamine that regulate your automatic movement. So that help you walk, talk, think, move. And to do that, it needs it needs to create neural pathways. Okay. Right? Neural pathways are like the little magic bits of electricity in your brain. Um, and because you don't have enough of these carriers to carry these messages you can't do things right. so you want to walk but you haven't got enough messages you're only getting like half the message if you want yeah so that but so you're kind of going hey i want to move my leg and your brain's going what oh you want to move your leg oh um hang on a minute well oh, let's have a think about that and but you're trying to move your leg does, does, yes. that, does that clear it up? It does. Sense? I think that makes a lot of sense. So there's, there's actually, somebody said to me once, what's wrong with your leg then? And I said, nothing. It's my brain. You know, that's why, and that's why so many people with Parkinson's are di- affected in so many different ways. You know, um, people maybe have problems with their feet or both arms. Some people get something they call freezing where they just kind of stop. And there's nothing, there's nothing wrong with the well, there is, they've got Parkinson's, but, you know, they just need a little bit of more time. And people are so quick to jump in and help you, but sometimes you don't need that, or sometimes you just need... The best thing to do is to ask somebody what it is they need. And they'll either say, nothing, I'll be okay. Or maybe they need a gentle touch, or maybe they just need a little... Everyone's different, right? Mm. And that little touch, does that then send a signal to the brain? Is that what you mean? Oh, or, or it just gives someone some reassurance? That was just somebody, I, I read I read a post somewhere and someone had said they sometimes freeze and sometimes the, the child would come up and just tap them. Oh. 
and it would kind of make them go, oh, and you know, I, and but I mean, that's just one person's experience, yeah. and then somebody else's is quite different. And some people, after eight years, are in you know quite serious conditions, and other people can still walk and talk and you know um come and talk on the radio <laughs> do you know what that leads me to a question where because you walked in ha- very happy and bubbly and we're having a, a nice chat and you mentioned what you wanted to talk about and of course it made me quite sad <laughs> i don't want anyone to be heard at, at, at any stage but you said that you felt better after doing the blog well you felt better talking about it i i find it's very cathartic uh, I feel it helps me to expunge my feelings. Yeah. Um, and you know, quite quite often, I quite often like when think you know you've got all the standard stuff of life going on around you, and you sometimes want to go. Can't you see that I'm really struggling, and can't you see that this is awful, and everybody's worrying about, I don't know the. the Missing a missing some school, or you've not done very well in a test, or you've lost your library book, and that's the end of the world. <laughs> but actually, I've just been told I need to take more medication, and this is getting worse, and I don't know where I'm going to be in ten years. And I, you, you just want to scream because you feel so. You feel kind of let down. You feel, um, you know, the whole "why me" mm. kind of thing. People have said, oh, you know, how can you plan for the future because you don't know what it's going to be like? Oh, people are very brave asking these questions. Yeah, and I kind of wanted to point out that they too could be struck down by a serious illness. But that's really unfair and unpleasant and not very socially acceptable. (laughs) I'm glad that's out of a system now. I'm way too honest, Catherine. Yeah. (laughs) But what, what did you say to that person? I I said, I don't know where I will be, but I will still be whatever, whatever, wherever I am, I will still do my best to get out there and experience life to the full, you know, because I think you have to. And people who are younger who have Parkinson's, are they living with Parkinson's for longer? You know, there is research that has occurred. Yeah. There is a lot of money has been raised, certainly nowhere near a cure, but you just never know. You never well, know. In five years' time, yeah. someone may discover something that can help. I was told when I was diagnosed that I should expect to see a cure in my lifetime. Okay. They they are actually quite close to finding, you know, they, there have been lots of breakthroughs. I must admit, personally, when I hear the breakthroughs about how to diagnose Parkinson's, I think, well, that's fantastic. Could we have the cure end bit, yeah. please? <laughs> no, we can diagnose people and tell them they're sick, but can we do something about helping them? It, it is helping them to diagnose them. Incidentally, I'm not saying that's not important, but you know what I mean. Mm. And, yeah, th- there are great strides being done. Has the medicine, has the research caught up enough yet to make things easier for I know there's a lot of drugs you're still taking I mean it's yeah but we do have much better outcomes okay than, you know like 30 years ago I I would be in a terrible state really yeah the the drugs and the medications are significantly better than they used to be and the other thing that I've been I mean it's still a 
if, if you're very bad, mm. still quite brutal. The idea of deep brain stimulation is literally sticking electrodes into your brain. It's very invasive. I don't think quite that scary. doesn't sound very nice at all. No, but if you are living and you, you are so badly affected, you um, literally cannot function. Yeah. You would probably consider it. Probably. And I've seen people who've gone through it and the the results and the effects are fantastic. So while it sounds terrifying, I don't know, is it any worse than open heart surgery or, mm. you know, and people do live full, you know, full, able lives. Sadly, there's still quite a lot of discrimination around. Um, I, I've, like suffered from a bit of that but probably don't have enough time to go into any of that we might but, have to put that in the next conversation but i think you indeed. and i having conversation you certainly doing your show is doing its part in breaking down some of those barriers i hope so um there are some really great people out there who've got parkinson's who were also you know playing their own part when when i was first diagnosed i went on the internet as you do you know what's going to happen google thankfully told me that um the average age for lifespan for somebody diagnosed with parkinson's was between i think it said 3 and 7 years or something um and i was like right that was incidentally incorrect and has now changed well considering you've had it for 8 years yeah. and you're still looking fantastic I'd, thing I'd go do talks and I'd go, well, I've only got two years left. So, yeah, there's a lot of misinformation out there. But it doesn't mean just because we've got a disease doesn't mean that we can't function properly. Yeah. You know, I've been had job interviews where people have said things like, how will you cope with this job? I'm asking because obviously you've got Parkinson's. Yeah. And I did some research. Wow. There are five stages of Parkinson's. What stage are you at? And are people actually allowed to ask that question? Illegally, no, but it doesn't stop them from asking, does I it? I must lead a very sheltered life. <laughs> I could not think of, of even contemplating asking these questions of someone, mm. let alone saying you've obviously got Parkinson's. I don't think you've obviously got Parkinson's. Well, and unfortunately, you know, it just depends on the day. Because I do things like talking about it on the radio uh, is kind of pretty obvious. Right. <laughs> So I thought you meant physically. Mm. I don't. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. What's next? What's your next blog going to be about? So we've had the well, we've had the we've had the I'm in the pit of despair. Mm. Um, I am delighted to tell you that the pills are actually working, yeah, yeah. and I think I have gone through my acceptance bit, or I'm coming to the end of it, and I'm really happy that they work, which is great. I mean, you can sit and get upset about it or you can say, my body needs this. My body uses it up and then I need some more and there's nothing I can do about it. Yeah. So, you know, I take the pills, I do some exercise and I just carry on fighting the good fight. And there are some people out there that say it's futile. What's the point? There are people out there that will say... There's no point in doing the exercise. There's no point in doing this stuff because it's going to get you in the end, which I think is a really miserable attitude. You know, nobody gets out of this alive. That's true. So I'm just making the best of it as I can. Yeah. Yeah, I promise it will be more cheeriness from Kitty.
If you've enjoyed listening to me waxing lyrical about how depressed and miserable I am, uh, there is there is a lighter side of me and you can find the blog and all the podcasts on uh, kittyfitten.com and Coast Access Radio. Huge thanks to Catherine and Coast Access Radio for allowing me to waffle. And We love having you in here. I love coming in. And if you have any comments or queries, please don't hesitate to get in touch. Thank you. This program was made with assistance from New Zealand On Air for Radio Broadcast and through the accessmedia.org.nz website. Thank you, New Zealand On Air.